Hi friends, I'm really excited to share this podcast episode with you. In it, I visit with my good friend, Brian Stratton-Dillon, at his geodesic grow dome up in the mountains in Colorado. These are uh, domes provided by a company called Growing Spaces, and they are based in part on the designs that come from Buckminster Fuller. Uh, some of you may be aware of the term buckyball, and the geometry of the structure is uh, essentially that. Um, so a dodecahedron is a um, 12-sided three-dimensional object made up of equal uh, pentagons. Okay, so that's one of the platonic solids. Um, the dome that we're in is actually called a truncated icosahedron. And it's related to one of the Archimedean solids. And these are more complex three-dimensional solids uh, known about at least since the time of the Greeks. And so basically they're like a soccer ball where you have interlocking uh, hexagons and pentagons. So the dome that you're gonna experience in the episode is essentially structured out of uh, pentagons and hexagons. Each one of those, however, is made up of triangles, right? So a hexagon has six of those a pentagon five of those so you'll see some of this in the video and uh hope you really enjoy this episode so uh come on let's check it out welcome to the why on earth community podcast today we're visiting with my friend brian stratton dylan hey brian hey aaron how you doing doing great we're uh we're right here in your grow dome and uh, i'm so excited that we get to share what's going on in here and uh, chat a bit about your uh, story and journey as a, a, a horticulturist, as a musician, a drummer, and uh, it's just a joy to be here with you today. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are here and really appreciate the opportunity. Cool. So, uh, Brian, uh, for, for our audience who don't know this, Brian and I go way back uh, to like the middle school, high school days, and we've been pals uh, ever since, connected uh, primarily and initially uh, through music and have a lot of mutual friends we keep in touch with and so it's just a, a real joy to have him on the show here today and I know uh, with our tour of the dome a little later on and also we're going to get a sneak peek into Brian's uh, music and recording studio um, you're going to have a real treat both uh, in terms of the audio podcast and for those of you who are uh, watching the video you're going to see some really amazing stuff on this episode so before we dive in, let me just tell you that uh, Brian studied under a handful of great drummers and mentors, including Mike Berry, Todd Reed, and the living legend drummer Dave Weckl. He has performed over 1,200 performances, has taught uh, over 80 drum students, and has recorded with renowned artists such as Andy Navala from the Glenn Miller Orchestra, Stuart Davis, the Wild Divine, the John Parker Trio, and has toured in many states throughout the United States, including Hawaii. And Brian first uh, fell in love with botany in 1999 when he was living on the island of Kauai, uh, where he had the unique opportunity to do garden care for Celeste, Sylvester Stallone's uh, beachfront property on that island. And he also attended the uh, college at the Kauai Community College where he learned how to propagate cuttings uh, working in the uh, greenhouse on the campus there. And then he moved back to Colorado in 2000, uh, becoming heavily involved in the music scene, but uh, was in a, a terrible car accident. And after uh, being a victim of vehicular assault in 2010, he was set on a different path. 
and growing food uh, became a huge priority in his life. And uh, he decided he wanted to move to a climate that was more conducive to growing all year round. So he set out on a worldwide <laughs> tour, including Hawaii, New Zealand, Tonga, etc., cetera, and uh, basically discovered growing spaces, the company that makes these grow domes, which we're sitting in presently, and realized he could basically have these subtropical conditions right here in the mountains of Colorado um, and grow year round. So he erected this dome in 2014 and uh, has been able to grow in an agricultural zone of seven, despite the fact that we're at an elevation here of 8,300 feet above sea level, which is an agricultural zone three. So he's growing uh, culinary food and medicinal herbs and flowers here year round. And uh, uh, is also working professionally with a great company called Skyscape Gardens, doing all kinds of installed edible landscapes and food forests in the metro Denver area. And so, you know, Brian, I guess it's not an exaggeration to say that uh, you and I share a couple of our very favorite core passions and hobbies from music to working with plants and soil. Absolutely. And uh, thanks again for uh, uh, inviting us in to experience your dome today. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, Let's talk just a bit about uh, what, it, what is it like, uh, and I think maybe we'll try to get a, a photo up in this video of, of what the dome looks like in the middle of the winter after a big blizzard. Hmm. But what's it like in your day-to-day -day living up high in the mountains and having this environment to come into? Oh, it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm a native of Colorado and have always um, loved it here so much, And uh, but in terms of the growing season, it is a shorter season. And so, um, especially at this elevation, you know, I mean, there's only a couple or three months where you can really try and grow things. And then you have deer and everything else that gets to your, to your plants and, uh, food. So this is a protected space. It has rodent barrier underneath it. Um, I've, I've only had one mouse in this structure in, <laughs> in uh, six years and so it's just very protected and um, from the elements and um, provides a, a really safe kind of um, uh, just perfect growing environment you know in the winter it'll I think the most snow I've gotten here was like 44 inches hmm. um, and you know the dome held up really really well um, it can take huge snow loads um, and hail um, and wind with ease. And so that's one of the main reasons I started thinking seriously about um, building one of these. Right, and the, the geometry is super fascinating and, and beautiful to look at, right? And is one of the strongest three-dimensional shapes we know how to build as, as humans. And it's, it's right. based after uh, Buckminster Fuller's buckyball right is that uh is that kind of what the design's based around as far as i know that's yeah i don't know the history super well but i do know about uh buck Phil what's his name buckminster buckminster fuller, fuller. Yeah. that's right folks yeah. call him bucky bucky <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah so the, the geometry <laughs> is built uh out of triangles and it's called a it's a variant of a truncated icosahedron i did a little research on this um, and, and so there's uh, an ancient Greek mathematician, Ar Archimedes, 
um, who identified all kinds of three-dimensional solids that are more complex than the better known platonic solids, right? Like the cube, the dodecahedron and so on. And uh, the, the Archimedean solids are much more complex, have many more facets and faces. So this one is essentially made out of a whole bunch of triangles, but they're arranged in patterns of hexagons and pentagons. That's right. So it's got that hex and pentalpha interchange going on. And it's uh, an extraordinarily strong structure. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that with these snow loads and wind loads that you don't have any sort of issues with the structure failing. Yeah, no, it's remarkable. And uh, I think on Growing Spaces website, they have a, um, they do a test where I think they drop like a sledgehammer from however many feet above and it just kind of bounces off of the structure. So the, the polycarbonate material that makes up uh, these panels is also really hardy. So there's there really is no issue um, in terms of strength um, with these structures. And that's really the issue, uh, especially up here in the mountains, you know, yeah. with greenhouse gardening, like if you have a standard um, kind of A-frame type of thing, I mean, that can work and it does work for a lot of people, but a hailstorm can come through and, you know, in 10 minutes, you're looking at a bunch of repairs and kind of a whole mess, you know? So the Growing Spaces kit really just takes all of that uh, worry and concern just out of the equation. Yeah. And I'll just mention uh, growingspaces.com and a great company actually based in Colorado. And uh, they are sponsoring this podcast episode and have uh, told us that if, if you want, you can go to growingspaces.com and mention why on earth and get a 5% discount if you wanna get a dome. There are several different sizes um, and, or you can also uh, click on the logo link that lives on the why on earth podcast page or sponsorship page. And that'll take you into a dedicated uh, page in the Growing Spaces uh, digital ecosystem. So take advantage of that 5% discount. I know with with COVID and everything going on in the world, their demand has been through the roof. And so their production schedules out like three months right now. So if you're interested, um, good idea to get a hold of them sooner than later and get in the queue. But uh, yeah, so it's it's amazing what they're doing in terms of having these, these domes in multiple communities throughout the Rocky Mountain West and elsewhere, mm -hmm. um, helping uh, certain communities grow a lot more food than they'd otherwise be able to. Absolutely, yeah, and there's all kinds of programs with schools and communities, like you've said, um, and uh, just a lot of opportunity to teach, you know, youngsters about this. And I mean, I think that's the thing. If if people didn't grow up uh, in the garden much, I think it can be kind of an intimidating thing to to grow food. Just period, you know, even just like a little container garden on the deck or something. Um, but once you just kind of jump in and try something, you know, you get the hang of it really quickly, especially if you have uh, some tips from friends and, you know, resources online these days. So, yeah, it's great. And I think uh, as we do the tour, we'll talk a little about your soil amendments. I know you're working with some biochar in here, too. And uh, um, you, you've actually developed a, a whole uh, array of techniques and, and tools that you're working with, right, to maintain the soil health in here and keep the plants healthy. 
Yeah, I'm learning uh, as I go, you know, there's so much to learn with the soil biome and a healthy biology there. But um, yeah, you helped me, you turned me on to the biochar. I actually used that in the tomato beds um, this year. And I think it's helped a lot. I'm also introducing <clears throat> beneficial fungi and bacteria. Um, and also using a microbial super pack um, this product called recharge and um, so yeah there's kind of a lot to talk about with all that stuff and certainly a lot more for me to to learn I feel like I'm scratching the surface honestly <laughs> yeah well I got to give a shout out to our buddy Rowdy Yates who's one of the why on earth ambassadors uh, whose company High Plains Biochar up in Wyoming is is where I think we got you that biochar. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, a great operation. So for those of us in the Rocky Mountain region, that's one of the best uh, suppliers we can go to for the biochar, which really does amazing things for the soil, right? Yeah, it just provides, as far as I understand, an enormous amount of surface area because it's so porous. And so that all the all that surface area is where, you know, beneficial uh, bacteria and and other beneficials can live and you know offer the roots of the plants um, a supply of that consistently yeah I've heard it described that putting the biochar in the soil is kind of like putting a whole bunch of uh, apartment buildings uh, providing okay. a lot more habitat yeah and uh, yeah it also works like a sponge so in arid climates um, like ours uh, when you're watering plants it helps keep the retention of uh, moisture in the soil longer which obviously is a big deal in certain climates hmm. so that's super helpful nice yeah yeah thanks for showing me yeah absolutely well i want to i want to ask brian i know that um <clears throat> that uh that traumatic brain injury that you had really has had a, a profound impact um you know no pun intended on on your life and as as hard and as traumatic as that experience was in many ways it has opened you up to a, a whole array of beautiful discoveries and your spiritual practice with meditation. And, uh, and, and you're one of the, I consider experts, and I know a handful around brain health and the, some of the, what's going on with the neurology and the neurobiochemistry. And I was wondering if you might just share a little with us, um, what was that process like uh, after the accident of, of essentially bringing your your brain back into optimal health and back into a state of vitality hmm. well thanks for that question um yeah so it indeed it, the accident was a really impactful situation um that left me basically kind of stripped of my identity or uh any sense of just assembling reality so it really took me down to the to the core of uh you know what is this what is existence what what is happening why are, who who am i you know all the like most fundamental questions you can kind of ask yourself um and so that led me into a very curious and deep uh kind of journeying for really for the last 10 years um so I uh, came to find a whole bunch of teachers that um, people much wiser than I and more experienced on the topic 
uh, or topics and um, just really got interested in all that. And um, so we could get into a little of that if you're if That'd you're be great. Cool I, that. Yeah, I think it's really helpful for a lot of us. So um, <clears throat> one thing I'd like to mention was learning about Vipassana meditation. Um, and so I've written a couple things down about that just because I wanted to share. Um, so Vipassana, which means to see things as they really are, is an ancient meditation technique that's 25 centuries old. It's also called the art of living. And the technique is taught at a 10 day retreat during which participants learn the basics of the method and practice uh, sufficiently to experience the, the beneficial results. There are no charges for the course, not even to cover the cost of food and accommodation, which is really remarkable. Um, especially because these are happening all over the world. Um, all the expenses are met by donations from people who having completed a course and experienced the benefits of Vipassana wish to give others the opportunity. So I think that speaks a lot to the technique itself, you know, in a, in a new age world of all kinds of spiritual, you know, stuff out there ranging from great to terrible it can be really hard um, to know kind of what to spend your time with or your money on. <clears throat> and this kind of demystifies that whole element of it. And um, so I did two 10 day silent retreats. Um, and so they call it noble silence. So you're, it is silent the whole time, which is um, just a really different experience. You know, we're, we open our mouths a lot and we, <laughs> And where our ears are being bombarded by all kinds of stuff, you know, all the time. And so just a simple 10 day period can actually be pretty profound. Um, and, you know, I could get <clears throat> deeper into the technique, but I think for right now, anyone who's interested in that, um, maybe just visit the website. We're going to have a link to that website. It's called dhamma.org. So D-H-A-M-M-A.org. And you can look on there, you know, say you want to go, maybe you're traveling and you want to go to Thailand or wherever, you know, they're holding retreats it, literally all around the world. It's pretty amazing. Um, and yeah, I've really benefited, benefited from that technique. Yeah, tremendously so. And I, I think it's worth noting too, Brian, that um, the type of injury you had um, is this DAI, right, that fewer than 10% of folks who have it actually recover consciousness. So like not only have you recovered <laughs> consciousness, but you've progressed uh, very far along that spectrum of experience. And uh, what, yeah. what is, what is DAI? If, uh, if you can just tell folks a little bit about that. Yeah. So that's, um, that's diffuse axonal injury, which basically means when, when there's a violent, uh, like shaking of the head, in this case, it was a vehicle going 85 miles an hour and another one going 55 miles an hour and those hit and then that one hit mine going 55. So it was, a, it was like a, a three car explosion, really. And so, and the roof caved in all the way to my, um, two inches from my seat back. So I literally, I mean, oh when, I, when I finally went to the salvage yard months later after this, because I needed photographs of the vehicle, um, they didn't recommend I go, but I, I needed to go and I, wanted to see the car because I have no memory of this, any of this anyway. 
And uh, yeah, I started laughing. I had to be escorted with a, a police officer and I started laughing because I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe that I survived. It was just impossible the way that the crash, uh, or the way that the roof caved in like that. And uh, a funny side note, the, the police officer that I was with, um, his lip started quivering and he actually started crying. Like, cause it, so it was just a really interesting moment in my life, but um, helped me believe that all this happened. But anyway, so my brain was- uh, All this happened what? just did all this wait sorry what'd you say i just want you to complete that statement oh it led you to believe that all this happened oh well for a reason <laughs> yeah well, i just meant happened period because i didn't it was hard to believe you know that this yeah. when people were telling me when i woke up in a hospital and people were telling me all this i was like right. what are you talking about i had been out for seven seven full days with no memory of anything so um but yes, to what you were getting at, absolutely. Um, and so diffuse, the diffuse part just means it's widespread. So there, I had contusions on the right frontal lobe and the orbitofrontal cortex, I believe, and the right pons and some other ones, specific injuries. But then the diffuse axonal injury refers to uh, widespread shearing of axons. And so that's the real, that's when it's really, um, bad and um, so and that's what made my prognosis or recovery looking kind of so grim but I really believe through uh, the course of action that I've taken with um, just thousands of hours of, of learning and and um, and drumming uh, that's a big one and uh, getting in the garden and then the whole nutrition part um, and the rhythm of the garden, you know, the, the watering and the, the seasons and the, uh, the rhythmic aspect of that, like, and then the meditation, the, the brain training, that's what I like to look at it as brain training because the, the word meditation is so, so misunderstood um, in our culture, I think. <clears throat> and uh, the way I look at it is just brain training, like in the same way you would go to the gym and exercise your muscles and you keep your, your body healthy. Um, there are ways to do that with the brain and the ancient techniques I like a lot because guess what? We're not the first to suffer. You know, we're not the people have been having hardship and real challenges forever. And so why not learn from the techniques that have stood the test of time? I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, would also love to mention Dan Siegel and a couple of other things if I, if I can. Maybe that is this the great. right time to do that? That would be great. Yeah. So another thing that uh, has been life changing for me is the work of Dan Siegel, and he started a, a field called interpersonal neurobiology, which is basically a fancy way of saying the brain, the mind, and relationships. And he's the uh, clinical professor of psychology at UCA, uh, UCLA School of Medicine. And he's the director of the Mindsight Institute, which I've done, I've completed a course there and I want to do more. Um, the Mindsight Institute is just a fantastic resource and uh, there's a lot to gain from getting into that. Also, um, some really cool things happening like the Mind Up 
program. Goldie Hawn was in on that one. That's more for youngsters, like bringing in um, some awareness and knowledge of, of like the brain and the mind to kids in curriculum. So instead of the standard curriculum that we have, um, their the Mind Up program is bringing in things to teach people about the tools they have, you know, and um, if you know, ways to manage frustration or anger or, you know, giving children like tools to and, and methods uh, to deal with life, you know, and, and uh, when things get hard. So that's another thing. So his books, I've read almost all of his books. I'll just mention a few here. Um, the Mindful Brain is the first one I read and it really just hooked me. I've, I've never been much of a reader, honestly. Um, but I was just turning the pages like crazy because I was so just fascinated by all this stuff. Um, another one called Mindsight. That's probably the easiest one. Mindsight, uh, the new science of personal transformation. And then there's his newest one is called Aware, the science and practice of presence. It's a great one. Oh my gosh, really great. Um, and there's one called No Drama Discipline, which is um, for you know folks who have children and uh, how to approach that. I don't have children, but I read that one anyway. I thought it was really fascinating. And then another one called The Mindful Therapist, which I read, um, and that is also amazing. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about Dan, Dr. Dan Siegel uh, and what he's doing with IPNB, Interpersonal Neurobiology. Uh, so great. And we will include, you know, some links and references in the show notes as well. So people can uh, easily find some of these resources. Fantastic. So thank you for sharing all of that. Absolutely. Thanks for the that's, opportunity. That's wonderful. Um, wow. Well, and, and, you know, <clears throat> I think there's something that probably is uh, going to be of great benefit to all of us. Right, like not all of us have had a traumatic brain injury in a car accident. Of course. But all of us are suffering from different ailments and, and things assaulting our neurobio uh, well-being. Sure. And some of this is technology and media related. Some of this has to do with the widespread toxins and poisons in the environment, in the food supply, etc. Totally. In the water even, in many cases. And so here you are, you're, you're doing a lot of music, playing a lot of drums. And I'm excited. I think we'll be able to share a little bit of your drumming at the end of the episode because you're not just banging one, two, one, two. <laughs> I mean, you're doing polyrhythms and syncopations and all very beautiful, complex, highly finessed drumming. And it's exquisite to listen Thank to. Thank you. Clearly, there's a lot going on in the brain when that's happening. You're connecting with the living biome of the soil. You're eating super fresh, nutritious food just you know several paces away from your kitchen seems to me like you're on to a handful of life practices that may enhance all of our qualities of life and may in fact be key to creating a much more sustainable world together well thank you that's a huge compliment and i just want to emphasize how much inspiration i've drawn from other people like yourself and like a, a thousand other people that, you know, like the way I found out about this um, company was through a video, you know, it was a YouTube video. And I just, 
I just couldn't believe it. I watched it like five times and it was with uh, a woman named Bree. I since have looked for it. I, it was uh, quite a few years ago and I can't find it, but it was somewhere down south in Colorado. And I just couldn't believe that they were able to actually grow year round in harsh you know, environments and everything. And so I think that's the important point I'm trying to make there uh, is just that we all inspire each other. And, and I think it's important to like, whenever you can to take that opportunity to, um, to show someone what you're up to or to, and also to be open to learning. I think that's a huge thing is to just, you know, um, always be open to learn some new hobby or some, if it, if it excites you, then follow that, you know, yes. there's not enough time to wait. Yes. Yes. That's so wise of you. And curiously, uh, a segue into talking a little more about some of these ancient practices, like you've mentioned Vipassana mm -hmm. uh, meditation and, uh, brain training practices. And also you've had some really interesting experiences with different, uh, food forests. Oh. that you have found all around the world. Yeah. And, and we know the archaeology right now is getting so exciting about uh, understanding what native peoples were doing in both North and South America. The, the Amazon rainforest is very much a, a human engendered food forest, it turns mm. out, in, in many uh, millions of acres. And so, in fact, they were using biochar. Um, mm. But you've, you've had some incredible encounters with food forests, some very, very old in different spots uh, around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, so I think the the oldest one that I interacted with was in a dream I had, uh, <clears throat> which ultimately led me to, to this greenhouse. Uh, it was pretty amazing, actually. I, uh, I had a dream kind of in that initial recovery period when I had come home from Craig Hospital and I was, you know, I was home, I was still doing outpatient therapies, speech therapy, uh, occupational therapy, pool therapy, physical therapy, I mean, it was like, it was intense, but, um, so my sleep was a little funny, but I had a dream one night about a food forest and I had never heard of that, I didn't know what that was, so I was, it was such a beautiful dream and I, so I got up and I, it was like four in the morning and I, I Googled that and came to discover this 2000 year old food system in Morocco. And um, it's incredible. There's a, I think his name is Jeff, I wrote it down here, Jeff Lawton. Um, yeah, L-A-U-T-O-N. If you, if you search 2000 year old Moroccan food forest, you'll see this little uh, short video that he explains the food system, but basically it's, um, it has different layers um, and like a canopy working all the way down into like root vegetables. Um, but it has an enormous amount of outputs with very minimal inputs and it's a system. It takes care of itself. And so I, I was super inspired by that and just thought that was like one of the coolest things I had ever heard about in my life. Uh, so that led me to, I also found out about a 200 year old food forest in Vietnam, which I do want to visit at some point. And then I did actually go and visit a food forest in, in Hawaii that was 10 years old at the time. Now it's probably, uh, I guess 
16 or 17. Um, and that was just amazing, you know, eating star apples and um, all kinds of different fruits that I'd never heard of. Um, so that's another part that has been just as a side note, like through this whole project, I've found, I've, I've learned about all these rare fruiting varieties. Oh, and that's a perfect opportunity for me to plug One Green World. So there's a company called One Green World and their website is onegreenworld.com. And they're out of Oregon and they have been uh, collecting rare fruiting varieties from around the world since the 90s. And they have a fabulous website, very informative with great pictures and it tells you whether it's whether or not it's self-pollinating and uh, just all this information which some you know some of the other companies i found don't have all that and you can hear the clouds are going by so the solar waterfall and the the fan are turning on and off <laughs> that's driven by the sun yeah yeah um and we'll go I'll, I'll show you some of the features of the dome here in a little bit but um one green world is uh just a really cool company and you wouldn't believe how many berries and fruits that you've just never heard of. Uh, I've got one growing right here called Golden Silverberry, and I haven't gotten it to fruit yet, but it makes these jelly bean looking fruits that are like polka dotted, and they, <laughs> they must taste amazing. Who knows? I, I hope to find out, but it's a Mediterranean plant, and it's got a beautiful leaf structure, and each leaf looks like a painting or something. So really fun to discover just how vast all this gets, you know, like it's not just apples and oranges and blueberries, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can grow. It makes me think about, you know, we have grown up in a Western cultural milieu and a common story most of us are familiar with is this getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden experience thing, mm. apparently. Interesting. And it seems to me that one of the big opportunities we have in these times is almost recreating the Garden of Eden, almost reconnecting in a way to that creative generative force uh, of nature, of, of some greater powers. And uh, perhaps that's also part of the, the key we have now to not only healing our own selves, but also our communities and our relationship with the world and, and my sense is food forests and interior living spaces like this are going to be more and more important as we go forward. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I think going back to the basics is, is always going to be a good idea, <laughs> you know, as we progress as a, you know, species and everything. Um, I think there's, at the end of the day, you know, we get hungry every single day. Yeah. Right. I sure so, <laughs> so we might as well know how to grow something. Yes, absolutely. Well, um, let me, uh, I just, I want to give a little shout out too to our friend, Dr. Jandel Allen Davis, who runs mm. Craig hospital mm. and is responsible for all kinds of medical care workers who are working with folks mm. who Thank are dealing with so these, uh, traumatic brain injuries and neural uh, uh, issues. And she's been on the podcast twice now, mm, wow. uh, as an African-American leader, she actually came on a few weeks back to talk with us about what's going on, uh, with the protests, with the black lives matter movement and with the murder of George Floyd and had just an exquisitely, uh, wise way of speaking to all of this. And when she grew up in DC, she remembers some of the, 
the race riots back then, uh, decades mm. ago. Um, so just want to give her a shout out because I know mm. she and others are, are you know, dedicating their professional lives to helping folks heal mm. from those kinds of, of traumas. And I, I know the rest of us out in community, the more we can help create community gardens and access points to some of these experiences is also really helpful for the society as a whole. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't be more grateful uh, for Craig Hospital and what they, I mean, what they're doing is just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, like the things that they see on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, Dr. Barry uh, and a handful of other people there really just brought me back to life, you know, and it's really amazing work. So I'm extremely grateful for really anyone who's helping with healing, like you said, like whether it's the planet or other people or themselves, you know, um, I think that healing is a, is something that should come into the forefront of everyone's lives. Everyone has something that they need to heal from. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think it's a beautiful process and it takes courage and bravery and hard work and a lot, a lot of enduring pain. Um, but I think ultimately, as Bentinho Massaro would say, pain and pleasure are equal confirmations of awareness. <laughs> wow, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know that you've got uh, also another resource that folks who are interested in the dome uh, growing environment will will find very helpful to connect with. And this is a uh, growing dome enthusiasts uh, Facebook group, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash growing dot dome dot enthusiasts. Yeah, it's really cool. There are people um, in like all over the world, you know, um, but I mean, especially in Colorado, because that's this company is out of Pagosa Springs and it, it was, you know, discovered, oh, my gosh, we can grow in the Rocky Mountains, you know, at whatever elevation. I think they're at 7000 something, but either way, harsh winters. And um, but not only um, will you find people with with amazing greenhouses in Colorado, but states you know like wyoming and other places i mean r really these can um fit any growing environment or any uh ag zone pretty much i mean it you wouldn't want one of these probably in a tropical environment <laughs> right, because right. what's little, you know i mean much, maybe right? to keep the rain out or something i don't know but <laughs> but um so it is kind of designed more for the extreme gardener i guess with mm. you know with um living at altitude or or what have you but um or even in Denver, you know, or Boulder. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm thinking even places like Minnesota, New York, where oh, yeah. the winters get pretty intense. They get harsh, yeah. And mm -hmm. um, so that page um, is is really fun, and it's it's amazing to see what people have um, have going in their gardens. Every single one is totally different on the interior, and um, the more experienced growers are so inspiring. I mean, like. I feel like a newbie after six years, hmm. so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's a lifelong pursuit for many. Yeah, well, I'm already daydreaming about a bigger dome uh, <laughs> down on the flats one day, so um, that might that might come to fruition. We'll see. Beautiful. <laughs> Great. Well, let me uh, just take this opportunity to thank some of our sponsors, and as I mentioned earlier, 
uh, Growing Spaces is sponsoring this podcast episode. And if you're interested in getting a dome, you can get a 5% discount by going through the links uh, you find on the whyonearth.org pages, the podcast page and or the uh, sponsorship page. Or if you just reach directly out to Growing Spaces, if you mention Why on Earth, uh, they'll honor that 5% discount. And they're at uh, growingspaces.com. Of course, want to mention uh, Earth Coast Productions as a sponsor. And we have today uh, both Artem Nikolkov, the founder, and Jordan Groth uh, with us here in the dome behind the camera. So, hey, guys, we'll give a quick shout out. How are you guys doing? Hey, you're great. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you guys so much. So fun being here with you. Um, a big shout out to the Lidge Family Foundation, uh, as well as to Purium and uh, Earth Water Press, uh, Waylay Waters. And um, if uh, you'd like to join our monthly giving program, which many folks have done, so thanks to all of you who are part of the whyonearth.org uh, monthly giving program, if you join at certain levels, we'll also send you uh, monthly shipments of the Waylay Waters CBD infused aromatherapy soaking salts as a thank you. And those come from uh, Waylay Waters there at waylaywaters.com. Um, so a huge thanks to everybody for making all of this work possible. And, and what we're doing with the Wyanerth community is all about community mobilization for soil regeneration, climate action, neighborhood resilience, culture of kindness. And this is about our health, our healing internally in our communities and working with soil and plants. So I uh, invite you all to get even more engaged in the work that we're doing uh, in communities all over the place. Um, and Brian, I'm, I'm so excited that uh, not only do we get to sit and chat with you today, but we're also going to get a tour of the dome and we're going to see some of the amazing plants you're growing here. Some of my favorites, actually. Nice. And then we're also going to close out with a, a sneak peek uh, tour of your music and recording studio. Great. By the way, folks, I'm excited that... Uh, it was uh, Brian and uh, his good buddy, Mike, who put together the soundtrack we use at the intro and outro of every podcast episode. So you'll see the uh, room where that was uh, first uh, conceived of as an idea. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun to share. But uh, I guess cool. before we jump up and do the tour, Brian, is there is there anything else you'd like to, to share? Hmm, that's a good question. Let me look if I... If I've got anything on here, we'll go through the features of the dome, obviously. Oh, uh, I do have a quote <laughs> that I want to read, if that's cool. Please, yeah. Uh, kind of relates back to like the, the self-identity stuff that we were talking about a little bit. And uh, I just really like this quote. It's made a huge impact on my life. The true value of a human being can be found in the degree to which he has attained liberation from the self. So that's Albert Einstein, and I, I really, I really like that one. We might have to include that in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is beautiful. Einstein yeah. has some of my most favorite quotes. Yeah, I just thought um, that's really succinct, and for for me, it just, oops, um, it just, uh, it penetrated, it resonated, and it, yeah, it helped me. Beautiful. Thank you. So, I know we'll get a chance to say goodbye later on, Brian, but I just, I want to thank you from the, from my heart, uh, for taking this time with us and, and for sharing your, your story with us and sharing part of your home with us. Um, and my hope is this is a, a great inspiration to a whole lot of folks out there. Oh. And, uh, so thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. I really appreciate our friendship and 
you know, this is a vulnerable interview, but uh, I think it's all part of uh, the process and, you know, kind of getting over myself a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned courage earlier and it's one of my favorite words because I was digging into the etymology a little and it comes from this word kuer, which means heart. Mm. And so in a way, uh, having courage means having heart and you've got it in droves. I know. And, oh, thank you. Uh, appreciate you. Likewise, man. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you, brother. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, should we do some, some let's tour? do a tour. Let's check oh, this out. Great. Yeah. So how long did it take to build this? Yeah. So the planning and everything took better part of a year. Uh, but it only took us two days to actually erect the structure. Wow. Um, and then, well, and that was, um, me and a friend and what they call a supervisor at growing spaces. So that's basically yeah. a builder. And, um, yeah, so two days we had this thing up and then I had a big empty geodesic structure. <laughs> uh -huh. So it was kind of like, okay, uh, now what do I do? And that became a fun process of designing garden beds and watch out for that phone. The various, uh, the various tiers, like the center bed that we can show you. Okay. So come on inside. Let's check it out. kind of a little jungle right now um, but I guess we could I'll start by explaining this front garden bed um, this is where the warm season crops go right now in this case tomatoes eggplant squash um, some other ground covers and um, so that's kind of what's happening in this front chaotic bed um, and then Behind that, it's hard for you guys to see probably, but the, I've built with my friend um, and neighbor a, um, a, a box. It's a hardwood box and it's lined with sheet metal on the inside to contain the roots of the fig tree and the other fruit trees that I have. So that's kind of in the center back there. And the idea was, with that was to just have some different tiers to it. Um, so in the tallest one, there's the brown turkey fig tree. And I don't know if you guys can see some of those figs that are emerging up a little higher. Um, we can get some footage of that at some point. And then um, there's also, I've got golden silverberry in that same box and also pineapple guava, which is one of my favorites. I found out about that in New Zealand when I was volunteering on a 10 acre farm for a couple months on Great Barrier Island. But it's a, a white, uh, a green on the outside and white on the inside. And it tastes like guava, if you know that flavor, but has a pineapple tinge to it. I also have dwarf pomegranate over here um, on this side. Still waiting for this guy to fruit. So a lot of this is, you know, learning as I go. Um, working with different nutrients to optimize yields. Um, and sometimes you don't get yields, you know, sometimes things don't work out and that's all part of the process too, for sure. As is pest management in greenhouse gardening, you will have pests no matter what. So it's 
just a matter of accepting that and learning how to manage it. Um, and uh, like we had talked about before, Aaron, a lot of times the pests can indicate, um, you know, deeper levels of what's happening in the garden or in the system. So another one that I'm really excited about is over here, right when you walk in, the, uh, the grapes are uh, going crazy. There's a bunch of, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 clumps of grapes. And uh, the first time I ever toured one of these greenhouses, uh, I opened the door and I was literally like hit in the cheek with a clump of grapes. And I thought that was super amazing. <laughs> and so I trained the grapes over the, the doorway and lo and behold, here we are six years later. And so that's kind of meaningful and fun. So we better eat one of those. Mm. Oh yeah, that's delicious. <laughs> yeah, mm. nothing like straight off the vine. So yeah, there's all kinds of things I wanna show you guys. It's a little chaotic in here, but uh, this one's lemon verbena, you know that one. Yeah, Just that. electric smell. Um, really good in salads and stuff. Um, I've got some ornamental stuff happening here, which I like to do cut flowers and flower arrangements and things just for friends and family. Um, this one's called curry plant. It's You can see I pruned it and then let some of it go to flower, but this one's a Mediterranean. It, it's good for Mediterranean dishes and stuff. I Honestly, I haven't used it as much as I, um, the ratio of how much this, uh, how much space this takes up to how much I've used it is off. But, so I might pull that one, but it's a cool plant, it smells like curry. Um, over here, I've let, this big chaotic mess right here, this is fennel, but um, this one is a red Russian kale plant. And you can see it has gone, I've let it go to seed. So it flowered, um, nice yellow flowers that look similar to this one. Or yeah, these are the, the kale flowers and they're fragrant and the bees love them. But then I let that happen. And then you let these, you let the seed pods go until they dry out and they're like little canoes with uh, these little seeds in there. So pretty amazing design actually. The, this pod would fall before it was broken open and then it would warm up and germinate and that's how it would keep going. So I've let this one go to seed so that I can uh, offer these seeds to um, clients um, over the winter, I'm gonna package these, and as long as they're viable, I'll test them, of course, but it was a really healthy red Russian kale plant, and so I'm excited to offer those same genetics. Um, this is a Meyer lemon tree that I started from seed. Um, it looks like something's getting to it a little bit, but this one's special to me just because I started it from literally from a Meyer lemon that oops that I got from natural grocers and uh, I don't know it's maybe three years old now but just pretty cool to be growing that at this elevation and uh, the leaves have a really amazing citrus smell and I'm gonna get some Meyer lemons off that one of these days so moving right along there's a ruby red grapefruit tree I got from a guy off Craigslist for five bucks 
which I got a kick out of. I was like, man, can I give you 10? Like, come on, this thing's like four years old. But I, I kept that to myself. Um, anyway, this one, yeah, I, I mentioned this before, but this is pineapple guava. I'm psyched about that now that you have a good angle on it. Um, these, these blooms, it just, it flowered. And so it's a self-pollinating variety and that part will turn into the fruit right there underneath the flower. So I'm hoping for a bunch of pineapple guavas. You can see the, the figs coming in right here. Really excited about the figs. And I guess maybe there's a good time to check out the pond. I haven't fed the fish today yet, so hopefully they're hungry and say hi. So I'll throw a little koi fish food in there. And I don't know if there's just, this is kind of the one spot that doesn't have aquatic plants. Um, and I'll throw some fish in there. Hey, fishy, fishy. Come on, buddy. Yeah, there they come. You see them? They're hungry. I love the fish. Um, they help with keeping the, the pond ecosystem in check um, by eating, you know, algae and just various kind of just cleaning things up. And, and then the fish emulsion is, you know, I'm watering from, I'm hand watering the garden from this pond. So I dunk my, uh, my watering can in here and I'm getting the benefits of the, of the fish emulsion too, when, uh, with the fertilizing or the, you know, the nutrient quality of that. So that's kind of fun. They're a little skittish when other people are here. So they know you. Yeah, they know me and they know and when there are other people here, it's funny. They're sensitive. They're shy. Yeah. They're koi fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do they do in the winter? Yeah. They get a little dormant, um, but, and I don't feed them nearly as much during that time. Maybe every other, like maybe every few days or even, you can even, can even go longer. It's fun in the springtime to watch when the water temperature rises, they start to like, behave differently and start to actually swim around and do radical maneuvers and you know you can tell that that they have fun do you ever bring ladybugs in here to deal with things like aphids and whatnot? you know i just did um i performed last night in beaver creek with bonfire dub and uh the the drummer from that band um well i was the original drummer and then he took over for me in the accident so it's kind of worth noting here with since we're telling the whole story <laughs> um but he has a beautiful rose garden down in Arvada, and he brought uh, 1,500 uh, ladybugs up here recently, and he helped me with a bunch of work in the in the greenhouse. And uh, so we released, we misted everything, you know, so they would have a nice wet environment. We released them across the dome, and the next day I couldn't find one. Whoa! So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I don't know if there just wasn't enough food in here for them, <laughs> uh, pest-wise, because I don't really have, um, in the past I've had a lot of aphids um, pop up. This season I haven't had as many. There are a few on this tomato plant and a couple other plants, but by and large the aphids are not my problem right now. I have a, a smaller white insect that I'm not, I don't know, I haven't been able to identify yet what it is. Um, but anyway, yeah, the ladybug disappearance. Wow. I don't know. Wow. I mean, they, they all, yeah, I have no idea. It's mm -hmm. really interesting. 
So I'll have to research that a little bit more. I would love to get some close-up footage of this plant over here at Golden Silverberry, just because the leaf, the leaves on it are so cool. Never, never really seen anything like it. Um, and it makes a beautiful little flower that hangs like a bell and has just an incredible fragrance. Um, hard to describe what it smells like, but I am, I'm going to jump for joy when this thing fruits. <laughs> so that's a cool one. Moving over there to the right. Yeah, watch your step, there's plenty to trip on. This is the fan um, that I was talking about earlier, the solar powered fan. And so this is drawing air from the coolest part of the environment, which is on the north side of the dome and bringing that air into the space. And so that's a crucial part of this system, breathing with circulation, air circulation. Another variety that I'm psyched about is this one, Ginkgo biloba. And Aaron and I were talking about this. Um, there are some really good properties for brain health with this plant, and I haven't yet figured out how to harvest um, the ginkgo, but it's, it's big enough now. I need to train this a little bit out of the walkway, but it's big enough now to where I could get enough to ingest or however, however you use it. It'd be cool to uh, harvest some and take to our friend Tyler over at Vera Herbals. Oh, that'd be great. Over in Carbondale, and maybe he could make a uh, spagyric mm. uh, kind of tincture or extract or something from it. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd be willing to do it. We could just see how much he needs and uh, bring him some. Yeah, that'd be great, and we could leave him with some. This one I'm also really excited about. Pretty sure this is one of the healthiest plants I've ever grown. It just has a, kind of a personality of, it, of its own. And uh, this is the Romanesco. It's in the Brassica family. That's some sacred geometry right there. Yeah, I'm forgetting the Latin name right now. It's uh, Brassica Ocasania. Oh man, I wish I, I've, I'm close, but no cigar. But uh, that'll get a little bigger and then it'll go in my stomach. These are nasturtiums. These are edible. This, this is considered an herb um, and you can, yeah, eat it. They're delicious. A little spicy. They're spicy like wasabi. You guys want to try one? Yeah. yeah. It's, I love the flavor. It's really interesting. And it, it all happens fast and then goes away fast. You want to try one? Sure. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> They're beautiful. Aaron, do you need one? Sure, I'd love one. Super flavorful. Good So sweet. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Really floral and like spicy and then it finishes with a whole different flavor and then it's gone. So, oh, one last thing I want to show you guys. This passion fruit flower. Oh yeah, smell that. Wow. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that great? Here, take a whiff of this one and get some footage on that. One second. Sure. Such a beautiful design. Oh, that's gorgeous. How did that come into existence? Those those simple things in life bring me great joy, you know? Indeed. So that's the tour. I know the audience can't taste everything we're tasting, but let me tell you that we have just tasted some incredible flavors. 
These grapes are just delicious. Yeah. I've been, as you were talking over there, I've been kind of nibbling on a few things over here. I've <laughs> been cutting a few clumps and been nibbling taking a them to the, the backseat of the car. <laughs> so, hey everybody, here we are in Brian's music and recording studio. And um, behind the cameras is the drum set. You're going to hear Brian uh, play that a little later on. And right around here is where a lot of the recording magic happens, mixing table, and uh, we actually uh, basically conceived of the intro and outro music here many, many moons ago with uh, Brian and uh, good buddy Mike Barnhart. And we thought it would be fun to kind of uh, commemorate that by playing the intro from one of our recent podcast episodes. And um, yeah, the sound system in here is pretty amazing too. Cool, so here we are on the Why on Earth page. And yeah, it was a fun piece to make. It was challenging to make such a short piece. You know, we had like 10 seconds or something. So it's like, how do you tell any kind of story in such a small amount of time? But we- And you, you layered in like 12 or 15 different sounds, right? Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. Okay, here it goes. Oh gosh, who's that guy? <laughs> so uh, that ah, at the end is so nice. Little soothing breath of relief yeah. or something. And that deep bass that comes in toward the end, I love it. Nice. We were talking about how it was a little inspired by that Afro-Celt sound system music that I listen to a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully there'll be uh, some more music in the future. That sounds great. All right. Awesome. Well, listen, can we uh, can we hear you hit some drums? Sure. Yeah, That'd let's do it. Cool. All right, cool. Here we go. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. 
You can get discounts on their products and services using the code WHYONEARTH, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.